Thanks for listening to our Legacy Podcast. Wherever you're joining us from, we hope today's message helps you in your walk with Christ and you visit us soon at our Legacy Church campus in East Greenwich, Rhode Island. For more information, visit us online at www.legacychurchri.com. Well, if you're taking notes, the name of today's talk, a message, a sermon, whatever you'd like to call it, is What's in Your House? What's in your house? And we're going to look at the book of Kings, 2 Kings, and read a passage from chapter 4, verse 1 through 7. The wife of a man from the company of the prophets cried out to Elisha, Your servant, my husband, is dead, and you know that he revered the Lord. But now his creditor is coming to take my two boys as his slaves. And Elisha replied to her, how can I help you? Tell me, what do you have in your house? Your servant has nothing there at all, she said, except a little oil. And Elisha said, go around and ask all your neighbors for empty jars. Don't ask for just a few. And the King, version, King James Version says, go and borrow jars from all your neighbors, and not just the few. Second Kings 4.4, 4, then go inside and shut the door behind you and your sons, pour oil into all the jars, and as each is filled, put it to one side. And she left him and afterward shut the door behind her and her sons, then brought the jars to her, and she kept pouring. And when all the jars were full, she said to her son, Bring me another one. But he replied, there is not a jar left. Then the oil stopped flowing. And she went and told the man of God. And he said, go sell all the oil and pay your debts. You and your sons can live on what is left. See, this is a story of a woman who had lost her husband. They believe her husband was Obadiah the prophet. And he was a renowned prophet because supposedly he had saved a hundred prophets from destruction uh, during the persecution of Jezebel. And he hid 50 in a cave and then he hid another 50 in another cave. And so he was a true man of God who heard the word of the Lord, considered a prophet of the time. But his wife here is in desperation. She's a widow. And what would happen in this time frame, as she went to creditors, went to debtors to survive, to try to survive even starvation, and she couldn't pay them back. And what would happen is if you can't pay back your creditors, they would take your children, your sons, as slaves. There was no such thing as chapter 11, chapter 7 back then, bankruptcy. You lost your children. And so can you imagine this poor woman in this place, in this place of great desperation? What should have happened is because they were part of the priesthood, her husband, she should have been taken care of. She should have been taken care of. But this was a time where Israel, the people, were backslidden. And we learn in Scripture that God had put a curse upon Israel because the people were robbing of the tithe and not bringing the tithe to the 
care of the priesthood, the care of the temple. And so what happened was that not only was she affected by this, but now her kids would be brought into slavery. And I was thinking about this. This is what happens when people do not care about the Lord and his church enough. Society goes into slavery. The next generation goes into slavery because we don't value honoring God's word and we don't value the greatest movement of God and display who God is, which is the church. As the church weakens, society weakens, marriage weakens, and we lose our very children. And this is a picture of dishonoring God and the result that would happen to this woman that she was about to lose her sons. And you can also imagine, here's a woman who loved the Lord. Her husband was a prophet. And yet, she was in this place. And many times we come to a place, even as Christians, like this woman, and we start asking, why God? Why? She was in a place of why. Why, Lord? How can this be happening to me? Elisha, you know my husband. You know we've served the Lord. We've honored the Lord. You know we've served his house. Why, Lord, is this happening to me? One of the greatest threats to a Christian's life is the lie that God has failed you. And that's why the Bible says, those who wait upon the Lord. So she did not reject God. She didn't get angry at God. She waited and she went to the man of God and said, this is my situation. This is my situation. And we see that in 2 Kings 4, verse 2, Elijah replied to her, how can I help you? Tell me. What do you have in your house? See, from Genesis to Revelation, we see the character of God. God is love. God is a God who's always, always, always seeking to help us. But what happens is, many times, we don't hear him. We don't see him until we come to a place of desperation where we now need him. God is always looking to help us. Matter of fact, in Jeremiah 29, 11, who many believe wrote the book of Kings, we know the scripture well that God has plans. His plans are to prosper you. And the Bible says not to harm you. And there's a deception many times when we are in tragic situations, when we're in desperate situations, that somehow people start saying, why is God doing this to me? It's not God. God is a God who's always looking to help you, and he was looking to help this person. But in life, what typically happens is desperation is what leads us to deliverance. Testimonies which many of you have powerful testimonies, are usually stories of deliverance, getting to the other side of the struggle, getting to the other side 
of the tragedy, getting to the other side when God comes and shows himself faithful. Come on, can we give God a praise offering and understanding his character today? God is a good God. But in 2 Kings 4, Elijah also said this to the widow, tell me, what do you have in your house? I want to ask you that question today. What's in your house? What's in your house? What's hiding in the bag, in your closet? What's in your house? You know, um, I'll try to do this true story justice. I'm hoping I remember it correctly, just reminded of it, that my son Daniel and his wife Eva, <coughs> they bought a new home a little while back. And uh, my daughter-in-law, Eva, had a, a nightmare, and she sees herself in the house that they had bought, and a snake was coming out of her closet in the bedroom. And she's trying to figure out what that meant, a snake coming out of the closet. And so as they were getting ready to move in the house, she's a thorough cleaner, and she's cleaning the house, and she's organizing that big closet, and she's cleaning it, organizing it, and she decides to get up on a stool, and she's putting her hand way back in the top shelf, and she feels something. She pulls it out, and there's a tray with old brownies or cake with a knife in it. And that is an occultic practice of witchcraft to put a curse upon the marriages that come in this house. That's, I'm telling you, I'm feeling the, the chills. And do you know that they researched it, that the couples that lived in that house, every couple got divorced, got divorced, got divorced. What's in your closet? What's in your house? See, when you look, are there magazines that you shouldn't be looking at in your closet? Are you looking at websites? What's in your house that you should be looking at? Or you have little sweet carnal treats that every time you kind of need to appease your flesh, Go after these little treats. Or is your house filled with bitterness, anger, unforgiveness, rebellion, unbelief, criticalness? And you're thinking that no one sees it. No one sees it. It's wrapped around pride, hatred, and you can even be a Christian, and you're thinking, ah, eh, I don't like this church. 
I'm just going to go somewhere else. No one knows me. And you carry this stuff wherever you go. It's like a noose. And the prophet's saying, what's in your house? What's in your house? You know, you got to kick the devil out and bring him to the cross. Has your spiritual life dried up? Where's the wick? No prayer, no Bible reading, no worship, no watching the right things to encourage your spirit. You know, dried up. I'm bringing these things to the cross, as you notice, because the cross is more powerful than every sin. The cross is more powerful. See, what's in your house? Sometimes, sometimes you're just hiding out. You know, you really don't want to get too involved with believers, with the church, with Christianity. I don't want to be one of those crazy nuts. I'm just going to hide out. You know, I'm going to hide out. I'm not going to throw these glasses because I like them. <laughs> but listen, <clears throat> the prophet asked this woman, how can I help you? How can I help you? How can I help you? See, God always wants to bless us. He wants to help us. He wants you to be whole. He wants you to be happy. He wants you to be content. He wants you to fulfill your very destiny on the earth. God loves us. God loves us. But we have to clean out our houses. God wants to come in. You know what happens when we're having company? My house is the cleanest it's ever going to be. We're getting the house ready. There's company coming over. That's why I love it when we have company. It forces us to clean out the house, right? Well, God wants to come into your house. You know, the, the word human comes from the Latin word humus. And humus, which you can buy at Home Depot, means earth, ground, dirt. See, Adam was created out of humus. It's created out of dirt. The devil wants to keep you in dirt. What brought Adam to life? The Spirit of God. The Spirit of God, the breath of God. Like I said last week, that's why church is so important because we come and the Spirit of God, the breath of God comes into us, comes into us, ignites us, con continuously fills us and makes us realize that we're not dirt. We're creating the very image of God because God is so good. And he says to this woman, what do you got in your house? And she starts looking. And she finds this little jar of oil. Barely any oil in it. 
And she says, this is all I have. This is all I have. My faith is drying up. My strength is drying up. I feel hopeless. I've cried out to God. I'm going to lose my kids. This is all I have. This is all I have. Can you do something with this little oil? Can you do something? I have faith, but it's this small. Can you do something in my life? Can you do something? And Jesus would say, do you remember what I did with that kid's lunch? A few loaves, a few, couple of fish. Can I do something? But Lord, I'm broken. But Lord, look, look what's been in my house. God, look what's been in my house, God. Do you remember the adulterous woman that they wanted to stone? Do you remember the prostitute who came in all her filth and knelt by my feet and wept? Do you remember? Then Elijah says to her in 2 Kings 4.3, go around and ask all your neighbors for empty jars. Go borrow more jars. Don't ask for just a few. Borrow as many as you can. And I'm sure her first thought was, borrow? Do you know how many creditors are after me now? I'm going to lose my kids. And you're telling me to borrow more? Do you know God will stretch you to your limit? God will stretch your faith. He'll stretch your faith. And when I look at practically people's lives and how God works, I always see that breakthrough comes when there's usually an increase in tribulation. When things are getting worse, not better. Get ready. Breakthrough is coming. Get ready. Go get your jars. Start writing what you need on your jars. Get ready. When tribulation is, is the worst, get ready. Breakthrough is coming. See what the Bible says, what the devil means for harm, God will turn around for those who love him. That's how God works. We panic. In tribulation, we panic. We run. We start questioning God. But the word of the Lord says, get ready. You know, I pictured reading this, this story. I was thinking, we need to buy a bunch of jars. And I need to write on the jar, Lord, I need more oil in my finances. Lord, I need more oil in my health. Lord, I need more breakthrough at my job, in my marriage. Lord, I have 100 kids. We have a lot of kids in this church. I want every single one of them filled with the Holy Spirit, saved. I want them oiled up that they can be used for your glory. We need to write some things on our jars. Well, that, that's selfish. Well, Elijah told her to be selfish. Go get as many jars as you can. He didn't say, hey, just get a couple of jars. You know, you might be praying for a car. 
And lots of times, we, the way we pray is, Lord, I need a car. Just give me a car that has four wheels. That's all, Lord. I just need a car that has wheels. God, I need, I need a place to live. I just need a half, a half a bedroom. Not even one bedroom, Lord. Just a half a bedroom. That's all I need, God. God, give me a job. Just give me a job that pays minimum wage. What God are you going to? What God are you seeing in your life? We have a God, the Bible says, that wants to give you exceedingly above all you can ask us think. We have a God who's mighty, the mighty name of Jesus, a God who parted the Red Sea. We have a God that speaks food into existence. People say crazy things sometimes. They'll say, God really moved in my life today. Really? Yeah, you know, I ran out of bread, and I go to the market, and there was a sale, so I got two loaves of bread for the price of one. I'm like, let me tell you something about God. If this is a God thing, the story would be more like, you know, I ran out of bread. I'm saying, God, I need some bread. And I get a call from my uncle who says, I'm going to give you my bakery. That's what I'm going to do. I'm going to give you my bakery. Now, that sounds like a God story. Elijah goes on, and he says in 2 Kings 4.4, says, now go inside, shut the door behind you and your sons, and pour oil into all the jars. See, when you are in the most desperate, empty time of your life, you need to get behind the door, shut the door, and get a hold of God. In some of the most empty times of my life, when I was discouraged, when I felt hopeless and questioned, God, what are you doing in my life? I found him alone. I find him alone in my basement, crying out when my son, as a child, was having seizures. Alone, God, I can't take this stress, this fear, this lie that my son's going to die. God, I need you. I need you. I need you. When the bills were mounting up and trying to figure out how to keep my house afloat, and getting all kinds of credit cards and making spreadsheets because I have to get this credit card to pay this credit card to pay this credit card, pay this credit card, and you start getting confused. Oh boy, I didn't pay this credit card. You get alone. God, you gotta help me here. You gotta help me here. I can't take this pressure anymore. You get alone. And let me tell you what this woman did was as she got alone and she started pouring out what she had God started pouring in in her little strength I have little strength I have little passion but I'm going to give it anyway God started pouring in 
I have little money. But Lord, it's little anyway. I might as well give it. God started pouring in. An awesome, awesome story. And then in Kings 4, 7, Elijah says to her, after she saw all her jars being filled up by the Lord, he says, now go and sell all those jars. <laughs> go and sell all those jars. Are you kidding? You just did this miracle. I want to hold on to the jars. He says, no. As you pour out, God will pour in. And he says, listen, you got plenty. Pay all your bills, and you're going to have plenty to live on. That's how God works. God works. See, she didn't have just enough. She had more than enough. And I'm not just talking about the natural. I'm talking about your spirit. I'm talking about hope. I'm talking about faith. I'm talking about a new perspective on things. You know, a, a new change in your attitude. I'm not going to walk in, in, in a panic mode all the time and critical mode all the time. I'm not going to walk with stuff around my neck all the time. I'm going to clean my house. I'm going, I'm going to have a new attitude. I serve a God who knows how to fill my jar when I'm empty. Come on, we serve a mighty God. Thanks for listening today. We hope you were blessed by our Legacy Church podcast, and we hope to see you soon at our 10 a.m. church service in East Greenwich, Rhode Island. You can connect with us on any social media platform or at LegacyChurchRI.com. Have a blessed week.